You're listening to a special preview of The Cloakroom, a series with Liz Wheeler and Senator Ted Cruz exclusively for Verdict Plus subscribers. Each week, Liz is joined by Senator Ted Cruz to pull back the curtain on the philosophy that informs our political debates, the stories that are reshaping our culture, and the legal principles at play on America's stage and beyond. To hear more of The Cloakroom, become a Verdict Plus subscriber at verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus. Welcome back, everyone. This is another episode of The Cloakroom right here on Verdict Plus. I'm Liz Wheeler. I'm sitting here with Senator Cruz. Senator Cruz, good to see you. I'm actually very excited about this topic today. It's, as usual, a pretty nerdy topic, but it has to do with we're all sitting here waiting for the Supreme Court to hand down their opinion on Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, whether or not they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, I personally think that they're going to. I think the chief justice is waiting until the last day so that they can skedaddle out of town in the face of what's probably going to be riots and and protests from um, the pro-abortion people on the streets. But behind the scenes in politics, the radical left has been preparing some legal strategies for how they're going to address or possibly how they're going to address abortion, specifically in red states if Roe v. Wade is overturned and abortion then becomes illegal in these states. So I want to discuss with you sort of the the legal response from the right um, to these proposed strategies by the left or whether the strategies proposed by the left are even legal. And I want to start with this idea from the left um, that they want to at least potentially start conducting abortions in federal buildings in red states where if Roe v. Wade is overturned, then abortion would be illegal in red states. First of all, the very basic question here is, would that be a legal thing for them to do? So let me say, I I don't know for sure. It's not a question I've researched. So, you know, anytime I was a client hired me for legal advice, I'd I'd usually start with with doing the research on it. Um, I will say this. Uh, for it to have an, an even credible prayer of succeeding, it would need to be supported by legislation passed through Congress uh, and signed into law, and that's not going to happen. So for any legislation to pass through Congress, it has to make it through the Senate, which means it needs 60 votes. They're not going to be 60 votes. They're not 10 Republicans that are going to vote for that, which means that, that if the Biden administration were to try to do so, they would try to do so through either a regulation or an executive order. And and I don't think that would have sufficient legal force. It would be a different question if Congress asserted authority over federal buildings to try to violate uh, state law. Um, sitting here thinking, I'm not thinking of a, uh, of an analogy where that has been applied before. Now under the supremacy clause of the constitution, Federal law trumps state law. So if Congress passes a law, for example, if Congress passed a law codifying Roe, that law would overturn state laws. It would be deemed to, if the federal law was in conflict with state laws under the supremacy clause, the federal law would prevail. That's not true for an executive order. That's not true for a regulation. Both a regulation and an executive order have to be pursuant to a statute. So there may be some statute, I don't know, governing post offices that gives some broad regulatory authority. I don't know about it, but I think if Biden tried to set up uh, Joe's abortion clinic in your local post office, I am highly skeptical that would succeed. 
And hypothetically, wouldn't the Hyde Amendment as it stands now, I know the left likes to target it, they haven't been successful yet, but wouldn't the Hyde Amendment as it stands prevent this from taking place because you'd have to use federal money, which is just a euphemism for taxpayer money? So it could very well. So the Hyde Amendment, as 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 you note, is, is a provision of, in federal appropriation laws that prohibits federal funds from going to funding abortions. But there's a battle over every iteration of appropriations, whether or not Hyde language is in there or not. So they would have to somehow find a pocket of money that didn't have a Hyde Amendment uh, applicable to it. I Sitting here, I don't know how many federal streams of money are constrained by Hyde Amendment versus how many are not. It is an ongoing perennial battle. It used to be pretty widespread bipartisan agreement on Hyde language. It's now a, a regular battle in Congress. Yeah, ironically, Joe Biden actually used to support the Hyde Amendment. He used to yep. he used to be in support of prohibiting taxpayer money from going to abortions. And of course, their their favorite argument about the Hyde Amendment is the fungibility argument that they say, or I guess we debunk it with the fungibility argument because they say if it's not going directly to pay for an abortion, then it's fine if you use taxpayer money to fund all of the operational aspects that make an abortion possible. Um, so may, maybe at that point it would have to be litigated. You'd get pretty deep down the rabbit hole for, for that one. I think this is their most unrealistic strategy. Their second strategy has to do with in monetarily incentivizing people essentially to get abortion. It would be a tax break for someone who got an abortion. You could write it off. My question to you though, when, when the Biden administration discusses this or behind the scenes, it's it's proposed and examined. Wouldn't this too have to be done through an act of Congress tax law being changed? Or would this be something that the Biden administration could tr- control almost unilaterally through the IRS? So very likely this would take an act of Congress as well. Uh, generally speaking, any change in tax law takes an act of Congress. And, and so, for example, you look at something like Obamacare, which, as you know, the Supreme Court in the decision upholding Obamacare, they included that they concluded uh, that the individual mandate was a tax and not a penalty. But that was passed by Congress and signed by the president. Um, there is little to no doubt that Congress could pass a tax credit for abortion if it wanted to. Um, that would be exceptionally bad policy. Uh, but I, I think that's extremely unlikely to pass too. That would take ten Republicans now. You know, I say that the Democrats could try to take up a budget reconciliation, which is an exception to the filibuster. And on budget reconciliation, they could change tax laws using only 50 Democrat votes. And so, you know, if they wanted to try to force that through on reconciliation, it's not impossible they could get that done. What about, hypothetically, what about just using the IRS? Is there any world that the IRS could do this without an act of Congress? So I don't know for sure. And one of the things to understand, the IRS code is insanely complicated. It is roughly about 70,000 words. It's more than double the size of war and peace. So it's incredibly complicated. You could conceivably come up with some IRS guidance that, I don't know, treated abortion as a business expense, or I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I'm not a tax lawyer, um, and, and so it's really complicated stuff. So I think I would be skeptical that they could do it unilaterally for the, uh, through the IRS, but that being said, creative tax lawyers can come up with all sorts of crazy things. So is it possible there's some federal provision of the tax code 
in which there's just enough gray area that the IRS could modify it? Maybe, but you'd have to be, you'd have to know the tax code really well to, to, to know that level of detail and nuance. Well, you're not, you're not a tax lawyer, but you're also not a Democrat. So you don't just invent, you don't just invent provisions and invent meanings to words and phrases in our law, but they do, as we know, (laughs) they do, as we know. Okay. So the third provision of this would be a requirement or the third, when I say provision, it's not a provision. It's the third idea that's being batted around in pro-abortion circles about how to handle um, it legally if Roe v. Wade is overturned and abortion becomes illegal in red states. Um, This provision would, or this suggestion would require employers to either subsidize or at least give their employees time off to travel to other states where abortion is is legal, how would this be done? Would this be done at the executive level through an agency like OSHA? So OSHA, that would be a really tortured reading of the OSHA statute because OSHA is dealing with workplace hazards. and, And look, the most recent kind of major OSHA litigation concerned the Biden administration's attempt at the vaccine mandate, where they tried to order large employers, 100 or more employees, to put in place a a vaccine mandate. And the Supreme Court struck that down and concluded it was beyond the text of OSHA. Um, I think this would be even further beyond. Um, I I think this would be on very, very shaky legal ground if you try to use OSHA. There are various provisions of laws, things like the Family Medical Leave Act, which I haven't examined, but I suppose some creative lawyer could try to find something within the federal law providing for leave for pregnancy, for example, and could try to twist that into it is a healthcare need that you have to make an accommodation for. You could, they could try to uh, shoehorn it into the Americans with Disability Act and argue that being pregnant is a disability that needs an accommodation of being able to go to get an abortion. I'm spitballing here. So as, as we talked about in verdict, you, you throw these topics at me with no warning. Um, and so, which is... <laughs> That's the fun of cloakroom. Yeah, look, look, I'm trying to... Um, they could certainly do it by statute, but they'd have to get the votes to do it by statute. If they didn't, uh, they could do some creative lawyerings. I think OSHA is far less likely than either a Family Medical Leave Act or a uh, ADA type analysis. I don't know that either of those would work, but but it's not impossible they could come up with some sort of hook uh, that was at least mildly plausible. And I have to expect that they're going to try every tool that's either in their arsenal or that can be invented to put in their arsenal. Let me ask you this. What do you think the, the I guess the pro-life movement, but also the conservative movement, the Republican Party at large, what do you think the biggest vulnerability is to the movement to protect unborn lives? If Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion becomes illegal or mostly illegal in red states. Where are we most vulnerable to pro-abortion activists trying to legalize and force abortion on us? So I think the first strategy of the pro-abortion forces that is going to play out the instant the decision comes down uh, is going to be violence. Um, I think we are going to see riots in D.C., and I think we're going to see riots across the country. Um, And I fear that these riots are going to follow the model of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots 
that they're going to be violent, that they're going to involve terrorizing businesses. They may involve terrorizing churches. We've already seen violence directed at pro-life centers, at pregnancy resource centers. Um, and so that, um, I think their first strategy, look, it's been their strategy while the decision is pending. The, the angry protests at the justices' homes at nights while, while their kids are sleeping, the attempted murder of Justice Kavanaugh, uh, inspired by the angry Democrat uh, rhetoric. I, I think we may see some sustained period of essentially domestic terrorism, of, of the left using violence to express their, their outrage at this decision. Um, I think subsequently we will see, and we've already seen this to some extent, blue states uh, putting in state law robust protections of uh, the ability of a woman to have an abortion, unlimited abortion, up till the, the time of birth. Um, in purple states and red states, we're going to see a battle at the state legislature, state by state, and, and the lines are going to change. Some, will, some of the lines will be fought over how many weeks? Is it a total prohibition? Is it a prohibition at 15 weeks, which is what Mississippi is? Is it eight weeks? Is it six weeks? Is it zero weeks? Like, what are the... Every one of those lines is going to be fought out state by state by state. There are going to be questions about exceptions. Uh, do you have an exception for rape? Do you have an exception for incest? That will be fought state by state by state. Uh, pretty much everyone agrees you have an exception, at least for life of the mother, uh, that I think is a principled matter. The law cannot force one person to give their life for another. But there will be a fight over whether there's an exception for the health of the mother. And the health of the mother has been an expansive term that some on the left have interpreted broadly enough to include something like mental health, that if someone comes in and says, I will be depressed if I don't have an abortion, that's sufficient reason to allow abortion. So where those lines are drawn, we're going to see a state-by-state -state battle in all 50 states. You may see congressional efforts. So one of the powers that Congress has is to limit the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. Um, I and others have proposed when the court has been excessive on the left, using that congressional power to restrict the jurisdiction of the court. I can imagine some on the left trying to use it to take away the court's power uh, concerning abortion. Um, you will see efforts at the federal level to codify Roe. Um, so I think there are going to be lots of legislative battles. There may be some of these executive battles. And then we will also see the left using their power in the corporate boardroom. You're already seeing companies that are saying, um, we're going to pay for our employees to get abortions. We may even pay for non-employees to get abortions. You're going to see the left, for any corporation that's scared of the left, they're going to lean on them to try to do everything they can to undermine protection of life. And so this is going to be a battle it's not going to be over in a week or a month or a year. It's going to be an ongoing battle that plays out really with the democratic process, the, the way it is meant to play out under the Constitution, which is different people who have strong views arguing and debating and, and fighting in elections and, and one side or the other prevailing and the outcome following from that. 
Well, let me ask you this. At the congressional level, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to see the Democrats try to codify Roe. Do you feel that any of your Republican colleagues in the Senate or counterparts in the House, the Republicans, are vulnerable to the the argument that Roe v. Wade, if it's overturned at the Supreme Court, should be should be a piece of legislation, should be codified into law via statute? Sure. Um, and I, I think there are at least two Republicans who would vote for that, and that's Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. I believe both of them are on record saying they would vote for a law codifying Roe. Um, and there might be others. Um, there might be other Republicans. I don't know on that. I know there are a number of Republicans who are really nervous about the outcome of Dobbs. And so I don't know how they would vote. I thought it was really dumb of Schumer when he teed up abortion legislation to go for the big enchilada, radical left abortion bill that strikes down every restriction on abortion across the country, that strikes down prohibitions on partial birth abortion, that strikes down uh, limitations on taxpayer funding, that strikes down laws requiring parental consent or parental notification. Because they forced the radical bill, every Republican voted no. If they had put forth a simple, straightforward codification of Roe, I think they would have held all the Democrats and they would have gotten at least a couple Republicans. I'm surprised Schumer didn't do that, but but he didn't. Well, Schumer's not exactly known for his brain, for his smarts, is he? Um, which sometimes serves to benefit us. This was very interesting. I I appreciate the breakdown. I'm, I am interested. I mean, I pray that we don't see the violence on the streets that I think we both anticipate, but I'll be interested to see um, how else the Democrats go after this. And, you know, we'll just have to respond accordingly. I appreciate, I appreciate all of the knowledge, even when I throw these topics at you without, <laughs> without giving you a chance to, you know, lo- consult your local tax attorney <laughs> about OSHA and the IRS. Senator Cruz, it was great to sit here and talk to you. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Cloakroom on Verdict Plus.